Bruce Jenner flip flops. <laughs> Follow that one. <laughs> He's always flip flopping. You know, taking selfies can be too far. You can take it too far. Taking selfies can be too far. Yep, you can take it too mm. far. Megan Kelly got rich off blackface. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes, she did. And we got Pastor Tom Askell yes, coming on. Yes, Talking about the social justice statement. That's right. Yes. Yeah, like so we him. got a great show ahead of you. Pastor Tom Askell from Founders Ministry. Yeah. And um, what's his church down in Florida? Grace Baptist Church. In Florida. You guys got to... They we don't got baptize some listeners babies, down there. but he's a good yeah, pastor. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> Thank you for joining the show. Waterboy, Chalk Knox, Pastor Toby Sumter. It's good to be here with you guys. Make sure you share the show. And like it, and I, I was thinking about our club members this week, and I was—they're was, great people. We we got a, we're, our, our club members are growing consistently. We're super grateful for you guys, and and Lord willing, um, it's this is going to be a way that um, our mission here and what we're doing is going to be kind of funded through that process. So we're, the more club members we can get, we're just very grateful for this. And I would like to challenge you guys to, um, you know, either become a club member or if you already are, get someone else to be a club member. If we doubled our club members and before Christmas, that would be incredible. Yeah. Incredible. See, joining isn't just, it's not like, I mean, really, what do you get? Well, you get us. That's what you get. (laughs) And and you get more of us. You get more of us. But actually, um, we, we are really grateful and. (laughs) You were saying, yeah, what's going on over there? But the thing is, is that we believe that. Um, God is doing something um, as crazy as it seems to us. He's doing yeah. something with us yeah. and with cross politics. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's opened up a, a, a venue, opened up an area of, of conversation, discussion, argument, um, fellowship that um, is relatively unhit, yeah. relatively unpopulated by Christians, yeah. thinking, thoughtful Christians who are willing to walk into the middle of a conversation about race about trans confusion, about yeah. politics, about immigration, and bring the Bible to bear. And so when you join Cross Politic, you are joining that mission. Amen. Right. You're Amen. saying Amen. you're saying, I want the church, I want Christians to walk into that place and apply the Bible to all of it. Preach, preach out. So um, so join. If you haven't already joined and if you already had, thanks so much. You are awesome. You are on mission with Cross Politic. Amen. And, Thank and you. we're thankful for you. And, and to be I mean, to be honest, I'd love to see more ministries like what well, we're doing oh, sure. start, you know. I mean, because we got crazy societal things going on where Bruce Jenner um mm. can flip flop on Trump. He's wearing flip flops? Flip flop on Trump. Oh, oh, oh! If you guys paid attention this, Did he this write week, an op-ed? he make sure you guys say he wrote an op-ed for the Washington the Post. Dressing Bruce yeah. Jenner. Yep, Bruce Jenner. Trans confused Bruce Jenner. And the way the article that I read introduced it, it said um, reality TV star and former Olympian. Um, they said Caitlyn Jenner, but I can't. I just can't Caitlin. do it. Bruce Jenner penned an op-ed for the Washington Post in which he renounced his endorsement for. Support for Donald Trump. Yeah, he been renouncing a he, lot, lately. and it's all they're using he and she and all that. And and Bruce, Bruce in this article says, sadly, I was wrong. Um, uh, the reality is that the trans community is being relentlessly attacked by this president. Oh, and, and I think I think I think, <laughs> I think Bruce. Remember, we attacked. talked about this. We talked about this last week on the show yeah. where where the Trump administration is wanting to tie gender to sex. That's right. Right, and right. so Biology. I think that's. So to the Bruce biological is responding to that sex yep. you're born with. Yeah. That's right. Which is a fa- I mean, it's that's so hateful. Yeah. Bruce, this ain't the first thing Bruce has been wrong yep. about. So <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't, you're not being relentlessly attacked by this president. You're being relentlessly attacked by reality. That's right. And he's just oh, reminding man. you of it. Oh man, yeah. 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 Trump and his administration you know, just has the audacity to point to reality. Yeah, Pastor, you just messed. I just and thought of hateful. something when you said that. You know, if God has not made, He cannot make our evangelism more easier. Right. He can't make our evangelism. It's so easy at this point. That's you're a, a boy. <laughs> yes. God says what? you're a boy. Why? Why? Ah, I hate you. You're attacking me. Yeah. You're a boy. Right. <laughs> God right. made you that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> God is handing us evangelism. It's right. That's Just really, yeah. Right. handing it right, right. to yeah. us. Well, well, now that's, marriage is two boys. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it made the male and female. Right. And and also that what That's came out point. what also came out this week was there's a professor in, in Canada who said for the first time um, his patients transgendered patients are returning to him in higher numbers for gender reassignment surgery for that to be reversed 
Oh, reversal. Yeah. So uh, he said he's seen the numbers. Wait, wait, that wasn't on CNN. No, it wasn't. That wasn't on. No, it's on our. It's on our our partner uh, Faithwire. They covered. Oh, it. they got uh, it. Oh, a Christian our, group. Our partner <laughs> Faithwire covered, <laughs> covered it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People are actually getting reverse surgeries. Yep. yep. Is, huh. that, is it more? More. He said they've seen an increase in patients returning to reverse the surgery. Yeah. Right. And it takes about up to a year for the whole process to be reversed. Um, I mean, mm. it's just. And you can reverse it. Uh, well. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, I mean, technically you don't lose anything. Turns out you're not really transformed. <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you just did a tummy tuck or something. Right. Oh, my goodness. Kid show. Yep, kid show. Hey, <laughs> Parents. Hey, <laughs> no. hey. No, but, but I mean, and here's what Bruce is, you know, um, Bruce is going after Trump over this. While this community is doing emasculative surgery on themselves, and and they're they're trashing their bodies, yeah. and then in six months, year, two years, three years later, whatever it is, now we're seeing an increase right. in wanting to go back, and that's not that's not well, Bruce isn't loving his own community. Well, it's self mutilation. You know? Self mutilation. Yeah. yeah. And there and and the end of that road really is suicide. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or. Um, deep, deep remorse, and of course, the you know, can you can you put it back? Yeah, can you can you make it back yeah, again? even full full repair? We don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it's just it's you know, Bruce is not protecting, he's not loving his people, and he thinks he, and he's going after Trump. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, connected to I think part of this, what's going on in our culture too. Researchers have fa- recently concluded that selfie taking can be taken too far. Oh, selfie. We're, we're paying people they, to tell us this. They actually have prescribed a I, name I to the problem. It. Wait, wait, a medical condition? Uh, kind of. I think they're trying to turn it into a medical condition. I know a little it. Bit. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You it's were called saying? it's called selfitis. Oh yeah, you That's have selfitis. I know some people that might have yeah. selfitis. I'm pretty sure everybody does. <laughs> everybody descended from Adam has selfitis. <laughs> Look, we knew this, yep. and this is why Jesus came into the world. Yeah, because that's of right. selfitis. That's you hilarious. Know, everybody worships themselves. I love that. That's right. And so these researchers, they've 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 basically broken out in, into three categories. <laughs> so you can have th- there's three, I think shades <laughs> or levels of selfitis. You can have borderline selfitis, acute selfitis, or chronic <laughs> selfitis. <laughs> can we go back and talk about Bruce? So we're gonna get. We're, oh, it's gonna come all the way he's back got, around. Yeah, he's got. He's got. He's got, he's got big time selfitis. Uh, yep, so much he had to no, do a surgery. Actually, <laughs> actually, all the descendants yeah. of Adam have chronic selfitis. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. I think part of the problem that I that I have with some of the articles that come out nowadays talking mm-hmm. about this is they want to blame it on the technology, yeah. or on, on the medicine, or on, on like some kind of like chemical or me- medical. Well, that too, and it's like, well, and, and and like people say, well, if we didn't have iPhones, people wouldn't be taking all these selfies. Right. It's like I'm sorry, I've been in people's houses no. and I saw the film that was developed. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's still right. you. Well, that's my point, though, <laughs> yeah. about everybody yeah. descended from Adam. Right. You, we have been self-centered brats. Yeah, that's right. From go. That's yeah. right. You know, right. From, I mean, you know, we took the we took the fruit. Yeah, we disobeyed. We've been self-centered, and that's. I mean, we're we're. Um, I think uh, Augustine, Saint Augustine, said that we're we're turned in on ourselves. That's yeah, right. That's right. This, this is how we're born. And anybody um, who's raised a kid, you spend the first fifteen years of their life teaching them that there's other people in the world. Right. Yeah. I think John Piper said, I think it was about video games or the internet. Might have been yeah. internet. But he said, all this is is evidence for God to use against you on judgment day that you did, that you had plenty right. of time to pray. Right. When all you have <laughs> when all you have is rocks and sticks. <laughs> right. You're selfish with rocks and sticks. Yeah, that's yeah. You're self-centered right. and that's self-righteous. Right. My, about, stick. Right. my stick. I got the best stick. Your stick sucks. Yeah, right. Exactly. But, you know, but that's... that's not- uh, all right. Hang on, guys. Give the diagnosis a chance here, okay? No. All right? So if you're borderline selfitis, it occurs when you at, at take at least three selfies a day. <laughs> but you refrain from posting them on social media. So that's kind of borderline. You're, is, is that you, Chocolate? You're contemplating. I plead the Fifth Amendment on the grounds that it might incriminate me, uh, but <laughs> don't go to my you're phone. You're contemplating right if you should post them on nah, social media. Like you you take them it. and you keep them on your phone and maybe go I flip them later. I keep my social right? media kind of fresh. If, if you Sorry, have but. acute uh, selfitis, that means uh, you suffer when you take at least three selfies a day and actually post them online. So there's okay. there, there you go. And then lastly, chronic the chronic condition. <laughs> um, uh, people feel an almost uncontrollable urge to take photos of themselves and post them to their social media platforms over six times a day. So the, okay. the six times. Well, and here's the thing about it, too, is people actually are, are nosy. That's another one of our sins. <laughs> 
like we like being in other people's business, mm-hmm. busy guys. But so we actually like seeing what you're doing. Like we're fueling it. I think the the platform itself has helped. You know, people actually yeah. lean towards their sinfulness to see well, what's going on in your business. Yeah, what yeah. are they doing? Oh, who are they with? Yeah. I, so I think that that's, in, that's definitely in fueling. order to either hate them or envy them. That's right. Or a combination of those things. Yeah. yeah. So we we look we like to be up in other people's yeah. business. Another form of lusting. We want what they have. Yep. We want their looks. We want their body. We want their boyfriend. We want their yep. their house. Their, their car, life. Their mm. life. Whatever. Coveting. Um. And but coveting and envy and lust are all just forms of hatred. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're you're hating how God has given gifts to other people and not given them to you. You're mm. hating God and you're hating your neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, phones and all this stuff uh, can speed that up, but that didn't just start. With the invention of the iPhone, right, right, we've been doing that yeah, yeah, for some, six yeah, thousand years. Right. So, so what would you call the condition if you took a selfie with a blackface? <laughs> well, that is racist because because so truly, you do get in trouble if you are a white person who puts on blackface yes. on Halloween or a black person who puts on white face yes. for Halloween. Like I, back, okay, back when I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as like a character. Yeah, if somebody like, feels like something is offensive to them, then you. Should. I'm gonna stop right there. That guy, that guy gets up. Right, so, <laughs> so wait, wait, if, if, he's, he's effeminate. So if you're having a problem trying to figure out <laughs> what in the world blackface? is blackface, here you go. You know, Cotton, I'm making a picture called the Lion Tamer. The Lion Tamer. Uh-huh. There ain't but one kind of lion I'll mess with. What kind's that? Ooh, that's a dandelion. <laughs> you to do is meet me at the zoo in the morning at nine o'clock yeah with the rest of the monkey with the rest of the monkey yeah i'll bring my grandpa with me oh mm. just to remind everybody because it seemed like megan kelly didn't have an idea of what blackface was right so just in case like yeah you didn't know either right so there we go so she was talking about dressing up kids for halloween right she, yes she said the, the innocent um, you know, you know, I want to be Black Panther. On it, yeah. I well, be Iron and not Man. just that, but also yeah, if it dealt with Halloween, somebody who wanted to be Diana Ross, and so they tinted their skin. By the way, um, my people do tan. Yeah, pretty dark. Yeah, and nobody say nothing about that. That's true. <laughs> I'm just saying, somebody like, should be fired. Somebody get rid of tanning booths. Yeah. But, I mean that they actually have you know yeah. um, what is it lotion tan? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like it actually goes on and, and it darkens yeah, your it can skin. Get you to a point yeah. where your, your yeah. credit score gets lower. You know, oh. and so I'm just saying, like they do it. Does you know, it? Yeah. Are you saying credit scores are racist? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes I am. Uh, so yeah. So but so there's the thing. Like she's talking about Halloween, and then of course she gets fired. Yeah. So she got fired, and for how much? And she got rich off uh, her blackface comments. Sixty two million dollars right. was the settlement, or okay. the or the. That's you, the part that it? that's the part that bothers me. Yeah, she yeah. she actually got a payday. Right for something that was you right. know that, that so, they they are saying that is offensive. Right, and well, well, but but, so, but here's the deal that you know I think we were talking off off air about some of this, but I mean in some sense we think that they wanted to get rid of Megan Kelly anyways because we also know in the it last looks suspicious it, it looks a little suspicious there, um, but like Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Sarah Silverman, Jimmy they, Fallon did it too. Yes, oh wow, yes, and Sarah Silverman. Yep. In fact, she she did it, um, and and so all these liberal. Robert, TV Robert personalities. Downey Robert Downey Jr. did it on a movie. All these liberal TV personalities right. have done it, and I mean they're right. So they're they got their jobs. Yeah. You know? So yeah. so how come none of them lost their jobs? Uh, boy, well, we, no, don't, we don't have all the time to talk about it. But you know what? Honestly, there is. I think that everybody when they saw Robert Downey Jr. do it, um, I think there was a small segment of people that was like, "Oh man, that's that's actually kind of funny." Yeah. You yeah. know, and he got the pass. He yeah. he got the card. He was like, he kind of got the love. Like you're in, so we know you with us. So okay, we'll let you do that. So you're saying he's justified? It, it, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. He he, he so, got the black card. So Megyn Kelly ain't justified. Uh, she came from Fox. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ain't nobody so, from Fox got no right. kind of black justification whatsoever. She's not justified. She don't have black justification. <laughs> right. She don't have right. the card. She ain't in. Well, and 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 part of it too is there's a conversation that you can have with people when we know that you are down with us and that you really do care about us yeah. and that you're in for whatever and you fight with us. There's a certain kind of grace and fight that or, or lack of fight that we'll give you because we know that hey you know and and sometimes tastefulness is important. Right. <laughs> sometimes taste matters. And there really is like so we're not saying like in the like in the history of the world you know just sort of take something out of historical context for a second and just make it abstract and say is there anything wrong with people mimicking other people 
And, and, Dave and, Chappelle made a lot of money off of and, it. And, and as, a, as a white man, as a white man, right? So right, white face. Yeah, yeah. So 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 we're not saying obviously not, and everybody yeah. knows that. Everybody knows that. Yeah. So everybody knows that there's nothing wrong with laughing and 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 even you know poking fun. Yeah. Yeah. And everything like this is you know you're made in the image of God. You're hilarious. Yeah. Can't believe that's what you know. You're like that. Whatever. It's like right. it's it's funny. But what you just showed us. Yeah. There's two things going on. There's a little bit of funny in there. There's actually some yeah. some like decent humor in there. Mm-hmm. Dandelion. Oh, sure. Kind of yeah, it's okay. Kind of funny. There's the context messes me up. It's hard for me to be. I think, know, you know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. But but then he talks. He makes a comment about the monkeys. Right. And you know, like, okay, that's not. I'll bring my grandfather. He, yeah. That, there he's there he's he's using common parlance to talk about um uh black race as a as as subhuman. The lack. Of well, humanity. if they believe in evolution, they shouldn't have a problem. Which is kind of interesting. It's like <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Don't you love Darwin? Yeah. Don't yeah. you believe in evolution? Yeah. There's a lot of things that bother me about the whole situation. First of all, if my son wants to dress up as Spider-Man, I dare you to come tell me he can't be Spider-Man. Yeah, and right. if your son wants to dress up and be Spider-Man and Miles Morales, go have fun, be right. that. Because I don't think that what they're saying is I want to be white. Right. Or if I want to be anything other than Black Panther. Yeah. If, I don't, I don't want to be uh, white anymore, Dad. I want to be black. No. It's like, well. No. no. It's actually a, a, a enjoy- form of respect exactly. for the hero. Exactly. So I want to be like I want to be that person right. who that person represents. Mm-hmm. And so, but the thing that, that, so that's one thing that I think is missing in some of the conversation but the thing that bothers me is how is it that the people who are sitting up here praising bruce jenner yeah. for dressing up like, dressing like a woman mm. and 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 it's it, it sit up here giving him awards yep. for calling him a woman are gonna get sit up here and tell somebody that they can't dress Man. up bruce is playing trans face that's what he's doing <laughs> trans face that's what he's Man. doing they'll right. sit up here and defend Man. rachel right. yeah, right. and he's making He's making dividends. Yeah. He's gonna be on the. He's on the. He's getting awards he's for on it. Vanity Fair, yeah. Woman and, of the Year, and whatever. And you praise him and fire Megan, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think Megan's issue is ignorance. I don't think it was malicious in any right. way, and I, I think yeah. that's important to be able she to make it. She didn't appear to be a, 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 a aware of the history. The, one of the reasons you know hers was ignorance because she sat down with um, uh, Roland Martin and sat there and talked with him and was right apolog- afterwards. He said, "Apologize." I didn't know that that was an issue. And yeah. you know, I love what you said about this. Had we lived in a Christian culture, a Christian environment, a, a Christian nation, right. uh, dang, <laughs> there are certain things that we would have grace for in somebody's ignorance and certain care we would have towards another person right. because of the way we're living together the, and we the, love in our gospel, brother and sister. The, the gospel diffuses these kind of things. Absolutely. And and it actually, and, and you could... You should still have your kids, you know, dressing up for silly things. Yeah. And no one would be threatened. Yeah. And nobody would know. It's, they're just having fun. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, she can't do that. Again, I think it's probably more going on behind the scenes. Sure. But nevertheless, when the gospel is not permeating a culture, yeah. uh, when we're not recognizing that we all have self-itis and this mm. is, this is, goes all the way down to our bones. Yeah. And this is why we need Jesus to die in our place. Cause we're, we, we're a bunch of haters. We really yeah, are. Yeah. Um, and we're afraid of other people and we're afraid of other people that seem different than us. That's right. And, and so we're stuck in that cage of hating and being hated. Yeah. Unless Jesus breaks us out. Yeah. Um, but that it, that's, it's, it's the gospel that allows us to recognize our own faults, our own blind spots. That's right. But then the gospel is what also allows us to have the kind of confidence to just step out and start trying to love people. That's right. Which is going to be awkward and funny at and places. And you're going to make some mistakes. Right? You're going to say something stupid. I'm, yeah. I you're mean, just going to. I mean, how many things have you for, forgiven me, really? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about? Come on. <laughs> but, but, Remember say- that one time? <laughs> that, was, that, that offended me a lot. But you know, I was just telling—I was telling you guys earlier. My friend Juan, he's Korean dude, and yeah. and I didn't realize how much, how many things that I was saying or might have done or acted like that was actually offensive to an Asian and to an Asian dude. Yeah. You know, until I realized, oh my fellow. But I was concerned about those but, things. But in a Christian context, yes, you can have that out. Yes, and be like, hey, brother, you know, he's come like, on. Hey, I, I, just I so you know, yeah, there's, I, let me give you the history behind yeah. this and why it's offensive yeah. to us. Yeah, and I know, and and, like, oh, well, that's not what I was trying to do. But it doesn't do. have to get blown out of proportion. Yeah, this yeah. is this is what um, gospel justice does. It allows us to have love that covers a multitude of sins, but it also um, frees us to address things at, 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 in proportional ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that you don't you don't have to like you know someone does a little uh, you know micro aggression or yeah. whatever, and then you bring out your sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be that way. And now, this doesn't mean go and have like a blackface praise team all of a sudden. Please don't, don't, <laughs> you, you know, don't, don't do no, stuff no, like that. You no, know, man. but but the thing is, is when you have 
this going on, it exposes, I think you're spot on. We got trans face going on. Yeah. Right. Wait, we got the murder of unborn babies going on. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you, and you're all worked up about Megan Kelly. And, and her, her silly Halloween, Halloween comments. comments. Yeah, yeah, I right. mean, this is she ridiculous. Said, right. And the point of all this, though, is is that the, the deal is is that this is statism. Yeah. Okay. Mm. The state, um, the justified ones. The, you know, it's not just black cards. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the justified ones in the media and politics, whoever you are, yeah. who right. are serving God's state. Mm-hmm. And God, the state says, we will determine what humanity is. We will just des- we will determine those things. And if and if you're Bruce Jenner and you're dressing up like a woman, yeah, that's humanity, right? Yeah, uh, and yeah, 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 which yeah, is yeah. actually right. hatred of right. women. Yeah. It's actually right. hatred of women. Yeah. Every time Bruce Jenner gets the microphone, that's just a standing middle finger to every woman made in the image of God. Yeah, yep. that's right. And, that's right. and the right. God who made them. It's completely dishonest. Yep. And you do that in the face of this Me Too. Nah, mm. nah. Mm. Bruce Jenner is a standing laughing. Mockery mm-hmm. of Me Too. That's, That's right. right. They do not yep. care about women. That's right. That's right. right. Yep. If they cared about women, he would get laughed off the stage. Yeah, right. they don't care about women. Um, and, and something else too. While you're saying that this is kind of like left turn, but talk about living a theocracy. Oh yeah. You know, like we got we got <laughs> a God. Got it all the time. We got a God who's right. who's getting down into our business. They yeah. don't want God in our business. Yeah. You got God in your business. And everybody's trying to please him. That's why they're firing Megan oh, Kelly. My gracious. Yeah. Yeah. All right. True. Okay. <laughs> Tom Askell, Pastor Tom Askell. Say it right. When we come back on Cross Politic. My favorite thing about classical conversations is the people. You think that you're getting into a great educational program and you come across all of these amazing parents and families. I, some of the best friends that I've ever had in my life, I know them because of Classical Conversations. Really, at the end of the day, we want our kids to have an amazing education, but we are sending our children into this world, and we want our kids to be able to stand toe-to-toe with this world and be able to defend their faith. CC really, really, really helps you to get that foundation. I love that they are getting, um, they have a safe place to explore their faith and that that biblical worldview is being reinforced. What we're doing at home is what's happening in the classroom. I'm pretty sure these headsets are better than... Oh, yeah. That bass is nice. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that good? No. Welcome back to Cross Politic with us this segment and next segment. Hey. We have with us Pastor Tom Askell. We are so thankful to have Tom. He's pastor at Grace Baptist Church since 1986. Wow. So he's, the, he's not baptizing babies already. Still, mm. still, still not baptizing hey, babies. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I have six kids and I have baptized every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> when they were okay. babies, Tom. When uh, they were babies. No, no as, <laughs> as soon as they demonstrated circumcision not made with hands. So when did they become <laughs> Americans, Tom? <laughs> Oh, at birth? They became Americans at birth. (laughs) The kingdom of our Lord is not the kingdom of this world. Uh, Yeah, but he is king over this world. Uh, (laughs) Amen, he is. All right, hold on. I got to get past this introduction here. (laughs) (laughs) Knox is the first. We're on our side, Tom. We ain't supposed to be fighting yet. (laughs) Prior Prior to moving to Florida, he served as pastor and associate pastor of churches in Texas. Mm. Texas. The promised land. He is, uh, has a degree right. in sociology in Texas. from Texas A&M. <laughs> he also earned MDiv and PhD degrees from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. He served as adjunct professor of theology for RTS, the mm. Midwest Center of Theological Studies, which is now Covenant Baptist Seminary, Reformed Baptist Seminary, and New Orleans Baptist. Man, there's a lot of Baptists and stuff in here. One RTS? <laughs> he was visiting. There's one, there's one that's not. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. He was a visiting professor at the Nicole Institute for Baptist Studies. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, also, currently serves. He wrote this just for us, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he, did. he, did. he did. Currently serves as an adjunct professor for Southwestern. Baptist Theological Center hey, hey, hey. through their and, southwest. Uh, southeastern. Oh, okay, okay. It's true. Yeah. It's true. All right. Serves as executive Big director difference. of Founders Ministries, and he and Donna have six children, as well as three sons-in-law and a daughter-in-law. They also have nine grandchildren. Oh, man. And it says here, they absolutely rock. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, there you go. go. Um, and and he's true. also 
uh, contributed and edited several books. He's got a book called Dear Timothy, as well as Redeeming the Gospel and Reforming Churches. Uh, authored two books, The Protestant Reformation to the Southern Baptist Convention and Traditional Theology and the SBC. Thanks so much for being on the show, Tom. Well, thanks for having me. My uh, son told me this week that he heard I'm about to make the big time in the world of podcasts. <laughs> wow. You got another show planned after this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So That's you've hilarious. been busy, Tom, the last uh, number. Of, I mean, I think you've been, I mean, obviously you've been busy for a long time, but you've been really busy recently with the social justice statement uh, that was released um uh, just a couple months ago here. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, where did that come from and what were the goals going into that? Yeah, well, my own uh, journey into that, uh, participating in that statement is different from all the other men, obviously, though we all had a lot in common. But it started for me probably a year and a half, two years ago. I uh, just began to hear things, listen to things a little bit differently. They sounded odd to me. And had an interview uh, with Colin Hansen, who's the author of the Young Reform Restless book, and oh, yeah. really a good guy. And he's up on all this stuff. Um, I think it was probably last summer, like a year ago in the summer. And after the interview, we were just talking off the record. And I asked him what he saw coming, what he was you know, anticipating in the next couple of years. And he said he didn't know if the reform movement could survive what was coming uh, in public theology. Hmm. And uh, we didn't elaborate on that, but it just, that statement stuck with me. So I really began to get my antenna up and started reading and listening. And the more I did over the course of that next several months to the end of the year and the beginning of this year, it seemed that uh, what he was saying, what he anticipated was coming true. And I began to read these comments from guys that, you know, are respected men that were saying things like evangelicalism has never had the gospel and uh, if you're trying to speak to me from a white space and you haven't served the black diaspora, I can't hear you. I'm not listening to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need names uh, and addresses get, there, Tom. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't have a, a bone to pick with them, but Eric Mason and Anthony Bradley yeah, are yeah. the two that I just referred to. Yeah. And um, then the whole Revoice conference, you know, hearing about that and gay Christianity and some of the movements among people in the evangelical world saying, yeah, you know, this is something we need to be sensitive to and sympathetic to and the whole transgenderism thing, how that was being handled in some sectors of uh, the evangelical world. So those, it just began to alarm me. And I, I started talking to friends saying, man, what's going on? Am I seeing things wrong? And some of my good friends thought I was seeing things wrong. But it turns out they, they not all of them at least, uh, were paying careful attention and some I've just disagreed with, you know, and that's a sad thing, but I, I do disagree with some of my dear friends on these issues. So as I saw it and began to evaluate it, it became, in my mind, a, a tremendous threat to the gospel. That's the way I see it. And I just felt compelled to have to do something. Well, about the same time, this was going on with other guys, and Josh Bice, uh, Mike O'Fallon reached out to me and um, others who were sharing these concerns. So we agreed to get together in Dallas and uh, laid all our cards on the table and found out there were other people thinking like we were. So none of us in Dallas have ever been in the room together uh, in that kind of uh, context or association. But anyway, so that's how it all began and the genesis of it. So I think maybe closely related to this, you wrote a short article called The Question I Did Not Get to Ask at the SBC 18. Yeah, that's right. What, what was that's that? Right. Okay. Yeah, the MLK conference also happened in April, you know, the MLK yep. 50. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And I was talking to some guys that were associated with organizations sponsoring that leading up to it, months leading up to it. How are y'all going to do that? You know, how are you going to have a conference by Christians uh, in the name of a man who was uh, um, theologically very suspect yeah. and who had you know known moral issues, not just failures, but seemingly lifestyles? that were contrary to Scripture, how are you going to do that? They said, well, we're just going to deal with this very narrow emphasis and impact on the whole civil rights movement, which, again, I praise God for MLK on that. God God used him wonderfully well in that, but anything that would hold him up as an example or an exemplar in in terms of a Christian context, I think, is very dangerous. I just, I wouldn't do it, and 
think there's a lot of problems with it. So then listening to the talks at the MLK 50 conference, some of them, I didn't listen to all, but most of them, uh, I was just deeply disturbed at what I heard. So the question that I was going to ask, I didn't get to ask the mic. I was told I was going to get to ask it by the, the mic keeper there, the fellow who was in charge of lining everybody up. Uh, and then he said, I don't know what happened, but you didn't get a chance. You know, something happened. You weren't, you were next in line, but it didn't happen. Was, you know, how do we do this? And, and what are we to say to our, uh, our people in our churches about the ERLC, which is a Southern Baptist organization helping to sponsor this conference? If, and how, do, you know, would we, would it be right to sponsor a conference in the name of a known heretic and a uh, man who was sexually immoral against his wife, mm-hmm. an adulterer, and one whose best friend accused him of being abusive to women. You know, mm-hmm. How do we do that in this day and age? Yep. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sure by now you've had a lot of fallout from the social justice statement. But it, it, one of the things that I felt like was missing, even, you know, there were things that uh, people on both sides who are it's interesting because this is the first time that I can think of where people who are really tight knit are actually disagreeing. I've gone to the conferences and seen these guys get together and argue on the same platform against something. And this is the first time I've seen something really separate them. That wasn't baptism. Uh, <laughs> and so so the fall. So one of the things that I think was missed in the whole social justice statement and, I, and, and just to be straight up, Tom, there's some things that for me, I was a little like, oh, OK, we could be tighter on that. Oh, this could be better. But the thing that really won me over was your opening. Well, really, what it should have been the opening to the social justice statement. But it was actually at the back where you say the reason for the social justice statement was to create a conversation ultimately with right. people who are on the other side. Could you just kind of walk that out and, and answer for me? Why wasn't that in the front? <laughs> well, yeah, and again, if I were going to write this thing just for myself, it would be different than it is. But we'll do another and one just for you. You can do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that, and then uh, you and I can read it together and celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> Two signatures. If we don't address baptism. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the, people were asking, you know, where did this come from? What's the point of this? So the, I just put together this real quick history of the formation of the, the document, but it, it is designed to call attention to something that all of us were seeing, and it seemed like uh, there's this juggernaut of the whole evangelical world was moving forward without taking notice. And when we all got in that room and realized, okay, we, we, we're seeing these things in the same way, uh, issuing some kind of statement seemed to be a good idea to at least arrest what was apparent to us to be this, this movement that was going about unhindered. And to a degree, that's happened. I mean, it's provoked a lot of conversation. I know it's provoked a lot of angst and, and sure. anger, and people have been upset and felt accused and, and all these other things, which we tried to be very specific in dealing with ideas and not people. You know, we didn't, there, there are obviously people espousing these ideas, but we don't want to get into uh, just talking about people and the way that they say things. We want to deal with the actual arguments being made. So that was it. And that, that has happened to a degree. I mean, we hope that there will be more substantive kinds of conversations. But I can tell you, I've been engaged in multiple conversations privately that have been willing to take my phone calls and who have actually reached out to me. And, it, and some of them have been very good. Not all of them have been as productive as you might hope. But at least there's been some conversation. And that's happened with others as well, not just me. So in that sense, I believe that there's already been a good effect. So, but so, just kind of for everybody who's not caught up to speed, what is it that the social justice statement is warning against? What is it that is the problem? I think the the problem that's trying to be addressed are these, and the, by our statement, is the um, the misdirection, misapplication of right concerns that justice be served in this world and promoted by God's people. Now, we agree. On yeah, there have been a lot of horrible things done to uh, people who have identified themselves as you know homosexual or transgender or whatever. There's been a lot of horrible things done to black people in our history, our culture, this this uh, country. There's no doubt about that. Women have not been treated well very often in this country in our history. Those things are you know the facts are the facts. Nobody's trying to deny the facts, but from those facts then. 
there have been prescriptions that are being offered as to here's what must be done now in order to address these issues. And many of the prescriptions we fear are either forgetting, assuming, or, or perhaps even denying the gospel and are, are in danger of that. And this has happened before, and so it would be naive of us to think that, oh, no, no, we're, we're immune to ever losing the gospel. And personally for me, I mean, that's what I've given my life to in, in trying to be a pastor, to emphasize the gospel, see it recovered and maintain its pride of place in the life and ministry of the church I serve, and then beyond that with others that I'm involved with. Man, I, I don't want to see the gospel ever assumed. And that's how evangelicals lose it. We don't just outright deny it. We just tend to assume it. And then and forget by it. assumption, okay. it gets yeah. forgotten. Yeah. So if we take one of those things, like let's, yeah. let's take a racial, like racial problems uh, in the mm-hmm. church. It sounds like you, you are saying, you would agree, there is and there are racial tensions, racial problems in the church. Um, what's the solution? It sounds like you'd say, well, the gospel is somewhere near, is, is the center of the solution. Can you walk that out? How is the gospel the solution to racial problems in the church, and where are people not getting that right? Yeah, well, it, I mean, the gospel obviously goes to the heart, and so race, racism is a, a sin of partiality that arises from the heart, where you do not treat people the way that they should be treated as image bearers of God, or you take preference of certain people for reasons other than uh, what is legitimate as image bearers of God. And so in the MLK conference, for example, uh, uh, Matt Chandler preached, and he's you know got so many good gifts and proclamation. God's used him in wonderful ways, and I, I count him. I don't know him well, but I count him a friend. Uh, Matt said something about them looking for pastors for their churches that they're spinning off from their satellite campuses. And he was looking for African-American pastors, so he called everybody he knew. And was, he got a headhunter group looking for people, and they came back to him and said, okay, if we find an Anglo 8 and right. an African-American 7, you know, which one do you want? He said, oh, give me the African-American 7 every time. So, okay, what about mm-hmm. an African-American 6 and an Anglo 8? So, oh, no, give me an African-American, or give me the Anglo 8, because that gap will be too big, and it will give the impression of the very kind of tokenism that we're, we're fighting hard to avoid. <laughs> well, now, I've got a black, I mean, one of our elders is black yep. here. That's I knew there's something one. different about you, Tom. <laughs> black face or we'll get there later. We'll get there later. No. Okay. okay. Uh, and, and so Don's what we're watching this as elders. Yeah. And Don says, Oh, I get it. He wants to be able to practice tokenism without being given, without giving the appearance mm-hmm. that he's yeah. being tokenistic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, you know, and that's, I, again, I don't think Matt had any evil in his heart or no. intent. He would sure. die, you know, to, to think he's being interpreted that way. But that's the way it landed on my black brother, and I think that's the danger. Right. It, you know, in the, in the so Jim Crow the- days and the, the slavery days, it's the blacks can't make it unless we help them up. You know, we've got to do it. And today, it's the same kind of message. It just comes across in a more uh, apparently sensitive and politically correct way. I, and and what we what we need to do is treat people as image bearers and not put up any roadblocks or barriers to those, uh, regardless of what their, their skin tone is or their yeah. ethnicity is, and where there has been uh, sin committed, uh, repent, where there have been crimes committed, convict, and let's deal with each other honestly. Can you connect the dots? Just really, I think it's a great example. How is that moment where? Uh, Matt Chandler's doing the the you know the rating. How is that getting away from the gospel? And how does the gospel? How would the gospel look for elders in a different way? Yeah, well, if if I'm looking for elders in a church, or if I'm a church looking for elders, I, I'm going to say, give me the tens. You don't have any tens? Give me your nines. Yep. Yeah, I'm 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 not going to make the the qualifications that the Bible sets forth have nothing to do with what becomes so important in this discussion. Oh, they, we've got to get a certain ethnicity or we've got to get a certain right. uh, racial mix amongst our leadership. I mean, there's you know, the North American Mission Board issued a statement here, I don't know, a few weeks ago, uh, said something like, if, um, if your church's ethnicity doesn't reflect 
your neighborhood's ethnicity, then you know you, you've got a real problem or something like that. Now, I get we can set up barriers to people that we should never set up because of ethnic backgrounds or preferences. I get that. But that's just, that's just a dangerous statement to me. It sounds really dangerous to me that we start measuring church effectiveness based on something other than what God has revealed in his word. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I, I, I want to talk to you about that. Oh, I good. actually agree in some ways with that statement, probably a lot. And maybe I need some correction afterwards, but I think I'm right. Anyway, Tom, <laughs> um, more with Pastor Askell. I, didn't, I called you Tom earlier. I'm so sorry. Uh, more with Pastor Askell when we come back <laughs> on Cross Politics. Now, you're wrong on the baby <laughs> baptism. Let me tell you why. Three points. Well, Cross Politics has a new sponsor. Who, you might be asking? Decree Design. Decree Design is a graphic design and web development company that serves your business by helping you speak clearly through visual representation. Serving 90 plus businesses in logo design, print design, brand strategy, web development, and more. Decree Design has a skill and personal touch to customize a package specifically catered to your needs of your business, great or small, and provide personal assistance every step of the way. Whether you're a well-established real estate broker or entrepreneur getting your business off the ground, Decree Design will help your company's visual presence speak clarity and truth. For more information, please visit decreedesign.co or schedule a consultation with Joe at decreedesign.com. Yeah, Joe at decreedesign.com. Hey, and tell them Cross Politics sent you. Welcome back to Cross Politic. We've got with us Pastor Tom Askell and uh, Chocolate Knox is, is waiting in the corner. Uh, cut the music. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's ready. He's ready. Uh, 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 um, okay, two things. You know, when you were talking about, uh, so Matt Chandler is swinging so far the other way because of, I think, things that um, have happened in the past that he's trying to correct, right? Mm-hmm. So while I agree with you that when I heard him say that, I was thinking to myself, if I'm a sinner and need to hear about Jesus, I don't want you to take your time to find a black guy. I want you to find a qualified guy yeah, right. who can bring yeah. me the gospel of Jesus Christ, please. And if you care about my community and you care about what we're going through, find the man that love us and send them to us. Right. Okay. Who are right. capable men. So I, I, I remember Vody Bauckham when he was here a couple of years ago, he preached a great message on uh, Acts seven yeah. and the uh, appointment of the deacons. Yep. And, uh, man from among you. And, and, and you know, the, there's, there's the qualities and you know, you got an ethnic thing going on there with the Hellenists and the Jews. And he said, right. it didn't say nothing in there yeah. about their ethnic backgrounds. Right. Or grabbing women to do it, right. you know, you know. So, <laughs> so, Which both Matt, Chan- right. Matt Chandler's done both. So, but, but the yeah, thing is, right. I think John Piper too. You know, he's from my town, Minneapolis. This is kind of coming from John Piper, where he's the first person I remember saying this. And nobody gave him nearly the same amount of flack that they've gotten given Chandler. And I think it's because of the movement is a little more established now. But Piper said he struggled hard to find black elders there at at, at, at their church at Bethlehem, and so. I think that he's kind of mimicking what Piper has has kind of laid the platform for. And the reason for that, though, um, is that, to be honest, it's been hard for black members and black people in churches to actually feel like and to be represented one way or another um, in the church. And so what they're doing is is trying to swing away from um, and say, hey, we're not prejudiced. We're not. Uh, we don't want to be like what's been typically happening inside of churches. And so and, we and here's do, our evidence. Here's, here's our, you know, not, not just here's our yeah. evidence, but what we're going to do, we're going to make an active move to say, this is, this is uh, you're this, us. This we're together. Disciple these particular folks and, I think, and bring them now, in. I, get, I think that it's wrong the way that they're deciding to do it, which is, I think, Tom, right. I think we agreed on that. But the reason for it, though, is not because there's been like, oh, nothing's happened. No, there's been a lot that's actually happened in the church that's been done wrong. And so he's Absolutely. trying to, so um, go ahead. No, no, I agree with you, and that's, that's where I think there's been some misunderstanding and misrepresentation. I had a conversation yesterday uh, with a person about this who seemed a little bit surprised that I said, amen, I, it's horrible what's happened. There's no doubt about it. I'm not trying to deny that or, or turn away and say that it's less than it is. Yeah. We need to look fully at it. And, but my concern is that the cure that is being proposed yep. can wind up being worse than the disease that we agree upon. Yeah. And see, that's what, that's exactly lowering right. the bar. Right. That's, yeah. yeah. I, that's, and yeah, absolutely. So at I the think, same time, we could still say back to that guy's statement. Um, the, I mean, I think a church's goal 
could be that your your makeup reflects your neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to get Cause, to cause, next. Because then you reach. Because you want to reach the neighborhood. Yeah. Let's not sure. let's not act like for a second though. Like the communities that the most segregated hour in America is on Sunday, typically. Uh, I like to think there's more than that. Just mm. but for the most part, let's just give that. Let's just say that's the case. Um, there's a reason that our churches are so segregated on Sunday morning, and it's not, I act like that. There's not a there's there's not anything there. <laughs> of right. course, there is. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. so I, I think that the part of what we see that's correcting, and this might be some of the, you know, the the, the statement on theology just came out from Ligonier uh, Ministries, yeah. and I think who, who was another books? I can't remember the Christian bookstore that was with them that uh, did it. Anyway, so they came out. Lifeway. But I, uh, I think yeah, Lifeway. That's what yeah. it was. Um, but what's what's interesting is that our our ignorance on how to fix the problem, I think, is really the issue that we're trying to get at. Not so much that the problem itself exists, right? Because right. that's what was kind of in, encouraging about the social justice name. But it actually said, look, there is sin in man, and so there is systemic. Um, there are systems set up that will encourage man to sin or that will oppress its brother. And that itself is sinful. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that it seemed like everybody was missing. But part of what I think they're trying to do is fix a problem that has existed. And what I see is the people on my side, the people that I'm with, are just now speaking up to say something against the action of what they're doing and not necessarily to the problem that has existed. Hmm. Yeah, well, that could be. And I. You know, again, I, 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 we agree on a great deal. That's the, on both sides of this debate. Yeah, we agree on a great deal, and yet I, I hear people on both sides shouting, "Oh no, the other side's you know, completely heretical." Right, and right. they're not helpful to this issue. I mean, I, I don't want to be associated with the nut jobs that agree with my position on mm-hmm. social justice, and I'm assuming that the best guys on the other side who disagree with my position don't want to be associated with the wing nuts on their side well. too. <laughs> <laughs> but we do need to have the conversation. Yeah. We do if, if we agree, if we can come to some agreement on the problem, then let's start pressing each other on okay, how do we address this as men under the authority of God's yeah. word and the lordship of Christ? How do we do that? Ta- why, why, real quick, real quick. Yeah, why has this wound festered for so long in the church? Oh, I don't. I don't doubt that. I'm. I'm reading a chapter out of a book right now that uh, from the '60s, 1960s, Mississippi, and you know, it's just it, it curls your toes to see some mm. of the stupid and wicked and sinful things that were said by Christians and pastors uh, uh, in yep. Mississippi in the yep. '60s over race. Yeah. And so, I, I don't doubt that there's just been huge uh, sins of pride and partiality. And um, uh, gosh, you could, you could multiply it. I'm sure many, many times over that have lived on in the church unchallenged because we've been insular. I, I say that as somebody you know from Texas and in the South my whole life. I think there's been some some uh, insulation that those of us who grew up in the South have to acknowledge that kept us blind to certain sins that we grew comfortable with, and and showing partiality and being racist would fit into that. I think, I think, you know, I, I think, you know in, in all this, one of the things that I've seen over the years as I've grown up in the church, you know, growing up in Texas and then a number of other states is the church has, um, we don't want to fight with each other very much. You know, we don't want to like in a healthy way. I'm not talking about in a bitter cantankerous way. Right. And yeah. I was going to say, have you seen our denominations? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, but we, we don't, as pastors, we don't want to disagree and, and fight. And that's what I think that's one good, of the healthy good guys. Good guys don't want to fight. Guys don't. And yeah. that, but I do think that's one of the healthy aspects of the social justice statement or things like this is we are trying to get people to disagree openly and kind of fight through our problems. Um, yeah. And, and, and with the sins that you're recognizing in the 1960s, I mean, we had Sean Lucas, Dr. Sean Lucas yeah, on, and he told yeah. us that one of his the churches... The fathers of Presbyterianism. He told us that one of the churches he pastored at had segregation in the books all the way up to 18, 1983. Right. Um, that's just... Wow. It, it's incredible. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but part of it is like, it, we, we just don't really want to challenge each other and fight each other like we should. Uh, um, uh, Proverbs 27.5 says, open 
rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you're right about that. You know? Actually, it's one of the things that really bothered me about when, when you guys came out with the statement was this is an opportunity to say, guys, let's get together. Let's talk about this. Let's hash this out. Let's love each other. Let's say, oh, you know, if, if there's ever some ignorance that's on one side, I would love to be the brother that's like, okay, let me inform you. Yeah. You know, but it seemed like what happened and maybe what you saw too, um, Pastor, is that people actually shut you guys off and said, don't engage yeah. them. Don't talk to them. Don't go to the conferences. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe f- probably far more happened that I don't even know about. But how do you get if their whole goal is to get people on the other side to talk to you and in and, and, and grace? I mean, people can hear your tone. You offer uh, say, hey, guys, let's let's engage with each other. What do you do now? Well, that's a good question. And there have been some uh, some ideas floated out. And, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we'll be able to promote some engagement. Our church is going to host a conference in January uh, we're going to have uh, Vody Balkum and Josh Bison, and we're going to build it off of Micah 6-8 and try to address these issues of, of justice, do justice, and love kindness, and walk humbly mm-hmm. uh, under that theme and try to look at some of these issues. And doing it for our congregation, churches in our area. So I'm hoping that others will be able to do things like that as well. We're talking about some things for next year's in the circles I'm involved with and maybe putting together a, a forum of some sort or uh, some kind of conference to invite um, dialogue on this from people that disagree. And that could be very healthy. We'll, we'll see. As, as you're looking at the, this is a, well, this is not going to be a fair question to you. You're going to catch some heat over this one. <laughs> but uh, well, no, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not used to catching heat. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real sensitive man. Yeah. So, but as you look right now as the, at black culture and what they're going through in America, what what do you think, as you talk about using the gospel to heal the ill, cure the ills and heal the wounds, what is the best thing right now as an application of the gospel to the black community to help them in the situation that they're in? First, I guess, let me, let me say it like this. What is the problem with the black community as you see it? And then how do you use the gospel to fix it? Oh, man, you know, that is a loaded question. <laughs> gotcha! I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that, first of all. You're a pastor. Uh, Can't say that. Yeah. But, well, but, but to speak for all the black culture, I don't know that. Sure. sure. Oh, I do it all the but, time. It's easy. I know, but you can get away with it. I can't. See. But I, I tell you one thing that's helped me is I've read Shelby Steele um, mm-hmm. in the last year, and I really admire his insights into these questions. His book, White Guilt, yeah. has been one of the most clarifying books for me to just think through what happened in the 60s with the not just the race uh, issue and MLK and MLK winning the day in civil rights, but then what happened in the immediate aftermath of that, not just on race, but on the environment, on women's issues, homosexual issues, war issues. I mean, I think Shelby Steele can be a, a, a helpful voice to get clarity. And then Thomas Sowell as well, and yep. his, his whole idea of cosmic justice, and mm-hmm. we're looking for this utopia that just doesn't exist on Earth. My fear is for, gosh, I hate to speak for you know, blacks, but my fear is that we've got strong political impulses in this country that make incredible promises of basically uh, utopian ideas and they hold that out to people and people embrace them and of course it's a pipe dream and it winds up just continuing to repress them or keep keeping them in in patterns of life that are just very harmful to them so i, I don't that's that's a it's a wishy-washy answer you know but. i think that <laughs> well it, it kind of it, it lines up a little bit with what um you uh, Chuck and I were talking before the show a little bit about this. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this uh, <laughs> this blackface uh, deal. Um, Meg, we're, we're oh. gonna um, Megan Kelly. Um, you oh, know, wow. just yeah. got in trouble and lost her job. Although she's well, going to get sixty two million dollars. I mean, that's, I, ain't, I ain't crying I, for that. Yeah, no, I'll be in trouble. <laughs> but, get, get me in trouble. But um, <laughs> we ain't got sixty two million dollars if we fire you, Gabe. So. <laughs> but you, you said you said you watched uh, some kind of doc on uh, Italians. Yeah, um, yeah, coming into America and how there's this sort of this pattern of Americans sort of uh, you talked about it and I called it hazing. Yeah, yeah, but like sort of hazing racial minorities 
Um, mm-hmm. so we did it with the Irish. Yep. We did it with the Italians. And then we started doing it with blacks as they came out of slavery. And then the Aggies. While they were in slavery. <laughs> we didn't do it with the Aggies. But, but the thing is, is that, and you said that one of the things that was striking to you was that um, the Irish kind of go through this hazing period and then they integrate. They integrate, yeah. Absolutely. The Italians go through this hazing period and then they integrate. Yep, yep. And then it was like um, after Reconstruction and in the early part of the 20th century, it was like we were kind of in that hazing phase of sorts yeah. as black culture was actually really starting to integrate into white culture. And then and our society, or just, society I mean, yeah, not itself. white culture, yeah, but just yeah. American culture. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then something happened, yep. and it didn't like it. Kind of got gummed up. Yeah, yeah. Jim and, Crow. And, hello. And the, well, and the thing that mm. that strikes me is, and I think this ties in with what you're saying, Tom, is that um, what happened was FDR and the New Deal, right? And and um, and massive social services and the government, the state, stepping in and saying, um, "We will provide you with that utopian dream." Um, right. We we will take care of you, which ironically I think has actually. Mm kept them kept people down i mean yep. it's and it's now doing it's, do, it's doing it with you know lower class everybody now it's not just not just any black culture it's lower class white culture whatever but everybody on That's the right. on the government dole is yeah. not actually um rising up above and and finding um you know the the their uh, full potential as as um creatures made in the image of god absolutely yeah i agree with that assessment completely and you know lyndon johnson's war on poverty was disastrous yeah he lost that that yeah i mean well it's it we yes we basically told a whole class of people or people who are on the lower spectrum of the economic strata that we're going to do it for you right you don't have to do anything and that you know that's just not the way god designed us it's we just see a perpetuation of poverty Mm. yeah um it seems like just to kind of piggyback on what Pastor Toby was saying is like it seems like right we've had as Black Americans we've had kind of like the ebb and flow where we're getting up there and then something happens we're getting up there and something happens one thing that wasn't in place was social uh, uh, programs and the last time that we were climbing up was the early 1920s um, in, in society and then right after that again we have a downfall racism prejudice burned down Black Wall Street Rosewood all that stuff in that in the early 1900s. And then after that, like the new plan comes in and then everybody <laughs> gets this horrible setup. And one of the people who are experiencing right now are uh, immigrants who are coming here from the South. Right. And so, Pastor, you, you know, that you have to see this big caravan that's coming here right now. Everybody's a little nervous. Um, the Democrats are quiet right now. The Republicans are making everybody feel fearful. But how should we as Christians be looking at the situation and what is our what is our actions here? Yeah, well, I, I think we need to be, um, we need to have two directions in our thoughts. I, I do, and I want this for our congregation. One is humanitarian. You know, they, these are image bearers, and so we ought to grieve as those images are set before us, and they are every day. And we see the little babies being uh, washed by their moms with you know, dirty water, and, and it's, it, yeah, it's heartbreaking, and we ought to let our hearts be broken and grieve that this is going on. But we also, recognize that we are in a nation that has civil authorities ordained by God, and they have responsibilities. And part of those responsibilities are to protect the borders. And that doesn't mean that you know we're going to build high walls and nobody ever gets in, but that we will have a legal process, which we do. As messed up as it is, we do have an immigration process. And for anyone to come and say, no, we're going to disregard your laws, we're going to do what we want to do because we have reasons that have risen high enough to overthrow whatever arguments you might make based upon your authority as a civil ruler, I think that is a formula for chaos and that we cannot just sit by and say, that's okay. Let let anybody who wants to come in, whenever they want to come in, come in. That's That would be a failure on the part of the civil magistrate. Yeah. So while we should not join in with the crowds and say, go home, stay home, and you know, you're know you dirty, rotten pigs, we don't want you in our country, that's mm-hmm. horrible. Uh, neither should we be the people that are preaching only open borders and there should only be one world and everybody come and go as you please. That's chaos. Mm-hmm. It seems like the, the that fits right in with, so statism says that you know we will make peace um, you know, through with you know every tribe, nation, tongue, mm-hmm. through the state, and, yeah. and the state is offering to be savior, 
and in a certain way, it seems like this Honduran thing is almost like this, uh, it's kind of this weird, like, prodigal son sort of parable um, where, like, uh, for, for statists. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the state is like this, you know, I will, we will be your father and we will take you in. Come on home. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll provide for you. But I think it fits right back in with that idea of, of utopia. Um, that this, that, yep. that as, as undergirded socialism, Marxism, you know, all the way back to Karl Marx. Yeah, um, that's right. R- rather than um, looking to Christ, yeah. um, who can actually deal with each one of us where we are, deal with our sins, and set us on solid ground so that we can actually work, we can actually provide for our families, yeah. provide for our children, so where we can actually be treated like human beings. The state providing everything for us is actually dehumanizing. It, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it absolutely. doesn't matter where you came from or what color skin you are. If, if the state's doing everything for you, it's not treating you like a man, like a woman made in the image of God. That is slavery. It is. That's good. And, yeah. and so Jesus is, is, that's why Jesus is the only savior. The state can't save us. Yeah. Um, but so good to talk to you, Tom. Thanks yeah, for being on Cross Politics. Yeah. Is there a website that we can reach you at, Pastor? Yeah, you can reach uh, me at uh, www.founders.org, that's Founders Ministries, or at truegraceofgod.org, that's Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Mm, thank you for being on the show, Pastor. Yeah, Until wonderful. next thank week, you, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. Amen. Oh, you didn't get him to baptize his grandbaby. Yeah. No, that's okay. I'm going to babysit for him and then just sprinkle them when they're there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs>